0: Welcome to the Ask Me Anything episode of the Forgetance. Thank you to everyone who sent me your questions. I'm so excited to connect with you in this way, so let's grab yourself your favorite beverage and a snack. I like to imagine that we are gathered around a campfire in the woods under the summer night sky while we talk. Uh, Before we get into it, I wanted to tell you some really exciting news. The book version of the story will be released tomorrow, July 3rd, 2023. It will be available in print and paperback. So if you want to grab yourself a print copy so you can hold it in your hand, um, uh, I'm so excited to tell you it will be available tomorrow. Yay! And one more note for you. If you have a moment to rate the podcast and leave an honest review, oh my gosh, I would appreciate it so much. Um, Reviews and ratings truly can do wonders for independent creators like me, they help my story travel farther than I can take it on my own, and so if you've been listening and you haven't found time to rate or review, I would love it if you could do that for me. Ah, you have my deepest, deepest gratitude. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, First and foremost, a few of you asked, will I be continuing the podcast with other stories? Basically, what is the plan going forward? That is an excellent question. Um, I do have another story that I'm working on. Um, I sort of had to table it while I was finishing the Innis forgettings. I had hoped to have it done and getting ready to release soon after Innis was done. But turns out I am just one person, and I can only do so much. So. It is not ready yet, but it is still in the works, and I do plan for it to be a podcast. Um, That being said, I am going to take a rest period. Um, I'm very excited to just go quiet for a little bit and rest and replenish my energy and sort of quietly work on this next story. Um, So stay in touch with me for sure. Uh, Follow me on social media. That's where you'll see a lot of updates. Um, And those links are in the show notes. Um, At this time, I don't have a newsletter or anything. So my Instagram is possibly the best way to stay in touch and see what's going on. Um, Although I do plan to put an update here when the next story is ready. Um, But yes, I am very excited to just rest and play for a while now that this big thing is finished. Someone else asked, was it edifying for me to create the podcast after working so long to write the story and after experiencing literary rejection? So for any of you who don't follow me on social media or don't know my story, this took me years to write, um, Partly just be, mainly just because of life and having young children. Um, it took me about five or six years to write. And then I tried to get it published traditionally, but I was rejected by every literary agent that I had queried. Um, and yes, it has been so amazing. It has really taught me just how subjective stories are. Because to see so many of you love this story and share this story and really get so attached and invested has just really... uh, It's touched my heart so much Um, because, yes, as you can imagine, being rejected by everybody that I queried definitely, you know... Uh, shook my confidence a bit, um, but I, I had a feeling that if I could perform it, then s- some people would like it, and so it's been wonderful to see that come true, um, and it has been a boost to my confidence, not only as a storyteller, but as a voice actor. I had never done anything like this before. I had never even really edited audio before. Um, yes, Steve asked for the story behind mama's crying sickness uh, yes so crying sickness that actually has a, a family story in it for me um, my grandmother lived with chronic depression and my mom called it crying sickness and Uh, actually the first way this story came to me was after I had had my son and I was rocking him in his nursery and all of a sudden, I wasn't trying to think of what to write next, I was just kind of dozing in and out, rocking my son, and I just heard this character say, Mama's crying sickness is not my fault. And it was kind of like, Oh, who was that? tell me who you are. And that's sort of how Porter introduced himself to me. But I wasn't consciously trying to put my family story in there. It's just what he said to me. Um, now, this might sound strange if you have not experienced it yourself. If you have, then you understand how it can be so subversive. But I also, I wrote this story during my um, bout with postpartum depression I was uh, I didn't realize that that's what I was dealing with but it was um, it, it can be so sneaky like that and so um, this battle of this this mother with her crying sickness it was that was unconscious on my part but that's also uh, part of the story behind mama's crying sickness So the next few questions that you guys submitted had to do with the characters. Um, What happened to Seamus? He must not have been killed if his gifting didn't disappear. Yes, very good observation. Um, So Seamus was a Sybil, which is the same gifting that Mama had, sensing that something terrible was coming. Um, and being able to behave like a never-seen. So in my imagination, Seamus, when he came to, he recognized the futility of trying to warn people because by now what he had been sensing was coming to pass and he decided to take himself out of the mix and ran off into the wilderness, perhaps joining the Yerdit or just living on his own, but he just essentially decided to care for himself and that looked like taking himself out of the mix completely. Lisa asked which characters came to you first and how did the story progress and develop from there? Um, so... Yes, I would say Porter came to me first, as I described earlier, while I was rocking my infant son. Um, Another, writing is such a mystical experience for me. Um, There was another moment when I was rocking a baby to sleep again, and, you know, it's dark and quiet, my mind is wandering, and all of a sudden I heard... You have everything you need inside of you, but much of it is locked away. This was why we saw the locksmith. And so that was like the next piece. And it was, and so then it's, I started, wow, where did that come from? What's a locksmith? And I started um, developing the story from there. At the time, I also was living in a very old house. And I was digging up the stories of the people who lived there before. And I remember feeling um, just like I was protecting these stories. And I was digging things up that no one else remembered. And the word story keeper flashed in my mind. And that's where I started getting the idea of, oh, wow, what if someone had this magical ability to remember all the stories Um, So that's sort of how the story keeper idea came to me, but not in Henrietta's form and actually not in Elga's form. Um, What character was my favorite to voice? Well, I think y'all can figure that one right out real quick, don't you? Yes, Henrietta was my favorite. Um, I also really liked voicing Morna. Uh, just because that's such a beautiful accent. um, Henrietta sort of just leapt out of me when I was practicing. I really wanted to get her voice just right and I wanted it to be so unique. I experienced with a few different iterations, but then this voice just started coming out of me without my even trying. And I honestly don't even know where, how my muscles figured it out. And as I was talking as Henrietta, I started realizing I have heard this voice before. Someone I know had this voice. Who is this? And I realized there was a woman in my life when I was a baby. Um, My parents met this wonderful elderly lady in a restaurant one day, and they became such good friends. And... Her name was Lola, and we stayed in touch up until I was probably, you know, maybe eight years old and she died. And Lola, that was her voice, and she would always say, I love you, just like that. And so it was to have this voice come out of me that I did not plan, it just... And then it just felt so fitting to honor Lola through Henrietta's voice, um, or through the character of Henrietta. So that's definitely just my favorite one to do. Um, do I have a process for how I get to know my characters in order to flesh them out so beautifully? Um, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, I really, I let them talk to me. I know that might sound funny, but I really do believe that it's, it's like they come alive and they tell me what to do. With both of the novels that I've written so far, I get an idea and I have a framework and I'll have my own little map for how I'm going to proceed, but they come alive and they talk to me and they tell me who they are. Um... So it's really just kind of magical and, and sometimes frustrating um, when I hit those writer's blocks. Which character do I see myself in the most? <laughs> uh, mm, that's tough. You know, in some ways I feel like, I wonder if it's like this for many writers. It's like if you take our consciousness and our mind Like a mirror, one big mirror, and then you drop it on the floor and it shatters. Sometimes I feel like that's my characters. They're all like a little different piece of my psyche. Um, And I can express in ways that are similar to all of them, you know, whether that's the uh, most functional or least functional way. Um, I think, you know, just. Off the top of my head, um, Porter and Dolly, I and and Mama, I, you know, definitely identify with um, Porter and his locked up voice and tendency to be quiet and fly under the radar rather than speak up. I can definitely relate to that. Um, constantly wondering about the past and treasure seeing and treasuring stories from the past. I'm I'm sort of my family's um, ancestry research person and always wanting to know about the past and how it can help us in the present. Um, Dolly with her sort of mystic tendencies and feeling like she's watched and guided by souls on the other side. I relate to that. Um, Mama and her crying sickness. I mean, that sort of encapsulates f- feeling wondering if I'm weak or broken, but really battling something um, that that is not physical. Uh, yeah. I hope that answered the question. Which character was the hardest to write? Good question. You know, I would say the brana and Elga, characters but not because not because I couldn't figure them out cuz I do feel like it it really did feel like they these characters tell me who they are and how they talk and all of that it was more just it was so it was so sad and guttural to write that storyline and the just the pain and the heartbreak um That was tough, and yeah, yeah, writing Brana's destruction was so hard to do as a writer, you know? You get so attached to these characters, and um, it's not easy to write these terrible things happening to them. The next questions that you all submitted have to do with the writing process and craft. What am I going to miss the most about this story? Oh, oh my gosh. I'm going to miss... I love that you all could be on the journey with me. Those of you that have been listening for the last nine months, you have been with me as I'm making it. And it's been so neat to like hear from you kind of in real time as you're experiencing the unfolding of this story. And I mean, this is just the first time I've ever done anything like this. So it's just been like my jaw on the floor that that people have loved it. It's really touched me. And, And of course, you know, whenever a story is over, it's just, it's sad to leave the world. It's bittersweet, you know, it's, there's that, elation of I finished it it's finally done and then it also feels like a goodbye um, so I'm gonna miss saying goodbye to the world and the characters and this whole like journey of putting it out there it's finished now. Um, what was the hardest part about writing the book? Well, I started writing it in... Uh, I really got to dive in in about 2018. The idea came to me in 2016. I think that's about right. Um, but I didn't get to really dive in until about 2008. Uh, okay, 17. Um, and so at the time I had really I had a baby and a toddler. And so just the season of life that I was in made it really hard to write because I would only have like a couple of mornings a week dedicated for writing time, which I realize is a lot more than many caregivers have. Um, So I would use those two mornings the best I could. I would try to make notes on my phone during nap time. um, And then I would try to squeeze in pockets after bedtime or... If my kids weren't sleeping well, I would stay up and just not even try to sleep and I would use time for writing. And then, of course, you know, 2020 happened and there was pandemic stress. So there were a lot of things that um, made this story take longer than I intended I would also say, and I'll go into more detail in another question, um, the structure was extremely challenging. And I'll go into that um, in another question that sort of touches on that later. What was the hardest part about making the podcast? Did turning a novel into a podcast affect the way you would write another novel in the future? Okay, so the hardest part about making the podcast... um, The audio editing. I got faster at it as I went along because, as I mentioned earlier, I had never done any meaningful amount of audio editing before this project. So that's why episodes in the beginning are so much shorter. It would take me hours, like, I don't know, 8 to 12 hours just to do like a 15-minute episode. And I was really perfectionistic and really tedious and slow Um, even after I got faster though, that was, uh, that was probably the hardest part, like trying to find the right sound effects and getting the timing in and getting out all the little, you know, noises that weren't supposed to be there and stuff like that. Um, as for, would this, did this experience change how I would write a novel in the future? Uh, yes. Um, number one I would try to say my characters' names out loud next time. I realized I named, especially in the the Brana storyline, I named so many wonderful names that I did not know how to say. (laughs) And so I had to look them up and do my best. And um, I probably, if any of you are native Irish speakers or Scottish Gaelic speakers, feel free to um, correct my pronunciation. Uh, so, I would be mindful that, hey, this might be spoken aloud someday, either in podcast or audiobook format. Um, other than that, it, uh, n- not really, I don't think. That sort of ties into the next question from Tristan Is the podcast the same as the novel, or did you have to adapt it quite a bit for podcasting? Um, it's basically the same yeah it's basically the same I would add more dialogue tags for the podcast because you don't have that visual cue of the next character's line on its own line so I would add extra of that you know Porter said or Mama said but um I really did not have to make major changes in order for it to be suitable for podcasting. So that was handy. Tristan also asked, what changes did I make in the final draft compared to earlier drafts? Were there big plot changes? It's uh, the major, major things that changed were the structure and I removed POV characters. Um... Yeah, the biggest challenge for me with this story was the structure. With the stories taking place in two different timelines, I had originally structured the story and I considered releasing it as a, a trilogy. And the first part of Porter's story, up until Mama disappeared, was going to be book one. All of Brana's story was going to be book two. And then the rest of Porter's story was going to be book three. However, that felt way too slow and not very interesting. So I decided to weave them together the way you experienced, basically. So trying to figure out the timing of that was very challenging. I think I had nine drafts when all was said and done. Um, Just, yeah, pacing those beats of when when we switch timelines, when we switch POVs. Another big change, um, I broke POV rules for my genre. You know, you typically want to have, you don't want to have a zillion POVs. And so in an earlier draft, I knew I had too many POVs, but I had characters that were on the ground in different places that without their POV, you would not have known what was going on and you needed to. So, like, in an earlier draft, Dolly had her own POV, and Tanisk had his own POV, and so I, um, the way I helped condense the number of POV characters was through the Tanisk character. I think Nula even had her own POV. So yeah, so that, that was a pretty major change, trying to figure out, okay, How can I get down to the fewest POV characters possible? That was a big, big challenge. This question comes from my friend Steve, who knows that I am also a death doula. Um, If you have never heard of a death doula, I am trained to provide non-medical care and support for those who are dying and their caregivers if you follow me on Instagram you know this if uh but you may not know this if you've just listened to the podcast so Steve asked me was I interested in being a death doula before I wrote the soul shepherd's character and made it such an important gifting no um Again, the the writing process is just so mystical in my experience. I did not even know what a death doula or end-of-life doula was when I was writing this story. Um, I think I heard about them after I was almost done with the first draft. And I definitely had not been considering becoming one That lightning bolt sort of struck me in 2021 when I was actually trying to get published um, and submitting the novel to agents. So it is kind of wild to look back and see Dolly's gifting as someone who helps souls pass on. Um, That was not something that I planned as far as tying into my, my real life work and calling. And then lastly, Tristan asked, Will there be a sequel? And what do I imagine happens next in the world of Innocomb? Okay, ah, so Tristan, I do not have a sequel planned. This was intended to be a standalone novel. I'm not closing the door on a sequel in the future. I just know I have this other story that really needs to be told first. So I'm not saying 100% no, it's just not on my radar. As far as uh, I I was thinking about your question of what do I imagine happens next? Now that the never seen are gone, um, the Kirk is burned down, they know their history, and they're discovering these new giftings that just kind of blows their whole paradigm wide open. So I was thinking about that. Well, what do I imagine happens next? And I kind of love that that is left to all of us. That's left to you and that's left to me. I think it's a worthwhile question to ask ourselves what would happen in Innescombe and in our world so in Innocomb, they don't have to be afraid of the never seen anymore. They don't have to be afraid of each other anymore. They don't have to live in fear that someone who is different or doesn't fit the norm is cursed. And the institution that told everybody what to think and who was cursed is gone. So what freedom to build something new? And I think it's a worthwhile question for us to ask ourselves. What if we didn't have to be afraid of each other? What if we got to know each other in relationship? What if we stopped listening to the institutions that told us to be afraid of each other? Or that someone is cursed. What might we discover about ourselves, each other, and our reality without the institutions that tell us what to believe and what is real? So I I didn't intend it that way. Like, none of this was really conscious in my mind. I just wrote the story as it was, you know, kind of came to me. But as I was pondering your question, Tristan, I just thought, well, I kind of like that we sort of leave it there. Um, And again, that's not to say that there will never be a sequel. It's just not on the radar right now. Finally, Deborah asked for the lyrics to the opening song. So here are the lyrics. When the pines reveal their secrets by the lantern's fading gleam, gather all the light within you for to face the never seen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for the AMA episode, and thank you to Deborah, Shelby, Brandon, Lisa. Tristan, Mary, and Steve for submitting your questions and hanging out with me around the fire tonight. Stay tuned, because I'll play some bloopers (laughs) on the way out.
1: I'll listen. There it is. Give it a little ring. Give it a little ring. Ah, dang it. Why am I singing opera? See if you can go down low, 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 low. For Uncle Ed, but not too low like Pa. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice.
0: The whole family's caught. Blah blah, 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 Dang it. She was wandering in the woods, you see. Blah, blah, blah. Ah, your mother was out. Okay. Okay. Finally, you're here. Uh, I keep Why can't I get this voice right?
1: Stay. Why? (laughs) You've been rattling things away. Oh my god. Damn it, folks. No, that's weird. The being flashed out. That's better. Give her a growl. And then you're just going to have to de-amplify like
0: crazy. Sal shot his son, his daughter. (laughs) Sal shot his son, his daughter, and his wife.
1: A dark look. Huh.
0: Test, test, did I scream at you too loud? Oh, no. Scream! Yell! Oh, good. I didn't break you. Test, test, test. That looks better. Oh my gosh, did I record that entire episode through my Mac speakers?
1: Tanisk's voice spoke again, loud and echoous. It... (laughs) Add a little twang to that depth. Give it a little twang. Find it, you gotta find it. It can't sound like any other character, but you also don't wanna sound like Yosemite Sam, dang it. Evil owns the dark and desires to swallow the light. We must be vigilant because our enemy roams the woods, hungry, ready to devour, oh, I'm having way too much fun with this, oh my gosh.